This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. How old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and my calendar is blowing up. First, it's Phileas Fogg's win a wager day. More on that later. B, it's the first official day of winter. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell that to Joe's mom's heater. And three, it's OG's birthday. On today's show, we'll celebrate all of the above by talking about your budget. These guys really have to learn how to party. Joining us to dive in, we welcome from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And from this podcast, the birthday boy himself, OG. And... From LenPenzo.com, it's Krusty the Clown. <laughs> just kidding. He was working another birthday party. So for today's <laughs> event, we just have Len Penzo. But I love him. Hey, but that's not all. We'll talk to Laron Amrani from Debitize about how to use your credit cards like debit cards and still leave time for my exciting trivia. And now, because OG's birthday is a great day to have a podcast, here he is. Joe Salciha. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salciha. I average Joe Money on Twitter. And we have a very special edition of the show today because we are doing it live in front of a Facebook audience, which makes me very nervous. And another person <laughs> who makes me slightly nervous in the desert, it's Paula Pant. I'm here, and after about half an hour, my microphone is, I'm assuming, working. And I will have you know that I showered specifically for this occasion. <laughs> I did. Once a week, true, folks. True story. Joe sent me an email and said that we were going to do this live on Facebook, and this is 20 minutes before the recording, and I was like, okay, I've got 20 minutes to shower, put on some makeup, and go. And it was funny so. because Paula told me she was going to go put on makeup and another guy who I'm sure put on makeup for this, it's Mr. Len Penzo. You know, Joe, I've just got to say, first off, I've, I'm in love with Doug. <laughs> I've got a man crush on him. Number two, I haven't showered in a month. And uh, thanks for the warning. By the way, I didn't get the warning at all, Joe. So uh, this, is, this is how if, I am. I would have dressed up if, if I knew, if I knew you, we were going to be live. If you'd read your emails, you don't read your emails. <laughs> Why don't you read your emails? 
You know what? I've talked about this before. People have declared email bankruptcy where they just had so many emails and they just they just throw them all out the window and start from scratch. I, maybe I probably need to do that. Well, we saved the best for last, guys, because sitting here across the card table from me is the one and only birthday boy himself, Mr. OG. 39 again. How, for, for what, the fourth time? Come on now. Yeah, you're not old not, like... Not um, 11th like you. <laughs> nice. Not old like Led and I. Right. But not, but not a not a spring chicken like uh, Miss Paula there. <laughs> hey Paula, you know what never gets old? Oh, uh, I'm gonna guess magnify money. A trip to magnifymoney.com because you know, Len, you can make four hundred and fifty dollars just by heading to Magnify Money. Well, you don't make four hundred fifty dollars; you save four hundred fifty dollars because they have the best of everything there. Whether it's checking accounts, savings accounts, those credit cards you use every day. Whether you're looking to play the points game, we're going to talk to Laron Amrani today on the show, and he'll talk about the points game with us. And if you're somebody that needs to get rid of credit card debt, you don't want to play the points game. You just want to get less interest to the man. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Even uh, student loans, they handle, I heard Paula, there's a student loan crisis in this country. I don't know if you've heard that before. That's what all the headlines are telling me, Joe. Somebody, I, I, I bet that's made up, OG. It's crisis anyway. That's the plural. Crisis, crisis, right? Chrysorum. Is it like a, is it like Chrysorus? Also, we'd like you to check out the Safe for Work podcast. How can you live a better life when you're working all the time? From Wondery, come Safe for Work, a podcast that's all about helping you find balance and happiness in your work life. Get advice on everything from how to avoid burnout on the job to how to fake an illness when you're calling in sick. Go subscribe to Safe for Work to get helpful career advice that's lively and fun. We got a great show today. We got Laurent and Ronnie today. We've got a great headline. We are live on Facebook recording this. And if you missed it, you should hang out with us on Facebook. Just saying. Facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins if you want to hang out with us. We got all that. Nice so plug. let's what thank you. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> so, that was actually a decent see, we don't need to we don't need to shine a spotlight every time I make a decent transition. We could just have, <laughs> we could have let it go. It would have been fine. We got a great nope. show, so let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Rockstar Finance. This is actually uh, written by uh, Val Bright from the commonsenseclub.com. Uh, it's called Selling Your Crap to Get Out of Debt's Fine, But I Wish I'd Done This Instead. So I initially clicked on it when I had to find out exactly what this is this in air quotes. And uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by what Val had to say. So the piece starts off with Val graduating from college about six years ago. And she said she'd use student loans to pay for almost all of her college expenses. And now it was time to pay it back with interest. Actually, the day I saw how much the interest was going to cost to repay over the life of my loan was the day I decided I was going to attack it like a maniac. And then she goes into it. And I just want to take this piece a little bit at a time, guys. She starts off with common get out of debt advice I ignored. She said they were both smart and inspirational, but some of the principles didn't jive with me, especially number one, the $1,000 emergency fund. She thought she needed more. Paula, what do you think about that? $1,000 emergency fund or do most people need more? 
I think the fact that she believes that she needs more than $1,000 for an emergency fund is very wise, particularly given that she's trying to pay off student loans, which presumably would have a much lower interest rate than, say, high interest credit card debt. She's probably not competing against emergency fund versus double-digit credit card loans. You know, And uh, so in the context of student loans, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saving an emergency fund that is three months' worth of your living expenses. Len, she also said she didn't like the cash envelope system. She said she barely uses cash. Seems like the cash envelope system was good in the past, but most people use plastic now. Yeah, I, I, nobody uses cash. It's not like the old days where, you know, we were kids and even younger. I mean, you had cash all the time. Cash envelopes to me, though, even when I was using cash, uh, that never really appealed to me. It was just too much, too much effort. I always just preferred to uh, manage my money via spreadsheet or paper. and But does it worry you, Len, all those statistics that say that if you use plastic versus cash, you end up spending a bunch more money? Yeah. You know, it's one thing when you have the cash and the cash is gone from your wallet, you're done. But uh, it's real easy for a lot of people who don't have the self-restraint. If you got that plastic, you don't have that holdback or that feedback mechanism and you can easily end up overspending. So I like how Len said that it's way easier to manage his money instead of an envelope to use a spreadsheet. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm, an, I'm a freaking engineer, Hold man. On a second. I would like to, uh, before I go to the grocery store, <laughs> take out my spreadsheet. I can't just look in the envelope to see how much money I can spend at the pizza parlor today, but uh, but I could do a regression analysis to tell you the standard deviation of how much pizza I should eat. Not my role. It's I've I've done it forever. It's all good, baby. Well, OG, let's talk to you about the debt snowball method. She's like, why in the world would I use the debt snowball method? She said that she went for the biggest balance and the highest interest rate first. She's like, I wasn't dabbling. Go big or go home. I mean, when you got a lot of debt, go big or go home, she says. Yeah. Well, you almost have to. And the reason for that whole debt snowball thing is all about behavior and behavioral finance and getting a win and being happy with your progress and being able to see progress. I mean, imagine if you had a $2,000 $2,000 credit card, a $20,000 credit card, and a $60,000 you know, student loan. And you said, well, the highest interest and highest balance is that 40000 one. Even if you're whopping you know, $1,000 a month on it, you're not going to see a ton of progress. Whereas if you knocked out that, that credit card, you might kind of just get enough momentum to keep going. So that's the reason behind that. But if you are doing it from a purely math standpoint, and this is one of the things I agree with Dave Ramsey on, you know, if you were doing it for math to begin with, you probably wouldn't be in this situation. But if you're doing it from a math standpoint, yeah, you should go after the high interest. Get the biggest bang for your buck. She then goes into the things that she likes. She says, even though I didn't listen to all their advice, I still listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast regularly and implemented my own version of his baby steps. Most important, she said, plugging into debt-free communities helped me to, number one, focus on just one debt at a time. I love this idea, Paula, of focusing because I feel like in today's society, we think we can multitask and we really, we're not that good at it. Oh yeah, we're terrible at it. I'm a big proponent of unitasking. So pick one thing, focus entirely on that. And when you've got that knocked out, move on to the next thing. In fact, Um, Paula's wearing her unitask right now, aren't you? I knew you were going to crack that joke. (laughs) I'm a big fan of unitarding, but uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm riding a unicycle. There, there it is. I'm going to stick with you for a second. She also says that she'd live like no one else. 
so that later, so that later I could you can live, live like, like no one else. That totally I love that sounds. Quote. I love that line. Totally sounds uh, like when you. I was in, and that applies not just to paying off your debt, but also if you're trying to make an investment, if you're trying to max out a retirement account, if you're trying to buy your first rental property, anything that you're doing that is unusual, you do have to live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else. So that is a a mindset that accompanies you throughout your entire life, regardless of what financial goal you're pursuing. Len, I want to go to you with the next one because she says, tell my money where to go so I didn't wonder where it went. It seems like you've always been really good at that. I mean, it sounds great, but how do you master that? You got to have a plan. I've always been a big fan of long-term and short-term planning. And when you have a plan, it's and you can you know exactly where things are going. It makes things so much easier. Now, if you're shotgunning, it's a lot harder to do. So have a plan. Number four on here is evaluate what I need versus what was extra fat. OG, when you're working with clients, what is some of that extra fat you see people cut out? My perspective on all of this is that it's unique to you as an individual, because what I think is really important in my life that's not extra is something that other people may look at and say, well, that's completely ridiculous. Why do you do that? I like to think about it from the other perspective of saying, well, here's how much you actually need to make the things that you want to have happen, happen. So, you know, you need to save $2,000 a month. I don't care if that means you have to cut something or not, or make extra money or, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's not up to me to tell you Sunday NFL ticket is not good. I enjoy that and I'm going to pay the 300 bucks a year to get it. Whereas other people might look at that and say, that's just, you know, really ridiculous. You know, you could invest that in a index fund and you'd have at least a thousand in 25 years from now. So you're wasting money. <laughs> I thought you were going to say invest that in a trip to the casino. Well, there's that as a great option. actually. <laughs> but, uh, invested in a racehorse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a roulette wheel. Uh, she goes into, I just want to finish on this piece, rules of the deck game. She said that there's two parts of the game, a great offense, which is earn more money and a great defense, spend less money. So she spent some time selling stuff, but she realized it was way easier to earn money than she thought it was. And that actually the key to this whole thing was earning more, which I found Len to be powerful. I feel like too many people shrink in their way to greatness instead of just figuring out how to make more money. I know. And you know what? She gave some good examples here that I'm going to look at, you know, so you could be like a, you know, social media. I mean, there's social media manager, virtual administrative assistant, a freelance writer, which I, of course I knew that one, but online tutoring fantastic jobs. I'm going to go off and, and, and try and make some extra money on the side too. I I had no idea that really there, it's that easy earning. She was earning a thousand bucks extra per month tapping a lot of these things. So Paul, you think earning more money beats frugaling? Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, she makes the point in the article that when she tried to earn more just by virtue of selling some junk around her house, that brought in like $100. But when she applied herself towards earning more in big ways, you know, and she gave the example of tutoring kids in China who want to learn how to speak English, and they'll give you all the lesson plans, and it starts off by paying $20 an hour. I mean, if you think about that, and if you think about what an extra 10 hours a week could do, that's powerful. An extra $200 a week is a game changer for a lot of people. And in the beginning, the knee-jerk reaction can sometimes be, well, I don't have that time. But if you start with a one hour a week and you work your way up from there, 
oftentimes you'll find it. Like you'll you'll figure out how to carve it out. And yeah, you may not be able to catch movie references, you know, because you're not watching those anymore. <laughs> but you are, but you are spending your time making extra money as if you were catching those in the first place. Yeah, I was never catching those. Right. Never, never in a million years. You know, it's funny when you say that. Uh, actually, I just got distracted. Andy in the comments just said, you can make a nice living digging bunkers, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, like a, uh, it's another great idea. Thanks, Andy. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, uh, I'll consider that. That's, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, lots of different ways to make money. I'm always surprised when people are trying to cut a little bit here, a little bit there out of their lifestyle instead of just finding ways to earn more money. I know what I was going to say, Paula, you and I Mm -hmm. both, you on the afford anything podcast we did here. We both interviewed James clear again for atomic habits. You know, when he talked about atomic habits, I love his idea of just adding a new habit on to something you already do. So when you talk about creating more time, just say, when Mm -hmm. I get finished with dinner, I automatically go work on my side hustle or when I, after I do my run in the morning, I automatically do Mm -hmm. my side hustle or you know what I mean? By, by attaching it, it's much more likely to stick. Exactly. Yes. James Clear refers to this as habit stacking. And the notion behind it is that uh, in order to form a new habit, you need a cue, an action, and then a reward. And so a lot of times when people are trying to form a new habit, their initial problem is that they don't have a specified cue. But if there's something that you do every day anyway, such as brushing your teeth or eating dinner, then that's your cue. For example, I make coffee every morning and when the water is boiling, I hold plank on the floor. I can't hold plank the entire time the water is boiling. I'm still working up to that point. But when the water starts boiling, I drop to the floor and I hold plank for as long as I can hold it, which is not very long. And then <laughs> I get up. What the heck is hold plank? What is that? You know, it's- it's uh, the plank position. It's like a push-up position, except instead of doing push-ups, you just hold at the top of the push-up. Len, you've never done a plank before? I've never done a push-up before either. You, <laughs> no, the push-up, that's the thing. That's the ice cream thing, isn't it? Where you push, push. So you're talking about, and you were talking about adding habits together. So like if I you know, bite my fingernails while I'm cooking dinner, and then what comes after that? That's if you, if you drink wine, then you start smoking. It's a really <laughs> okay. natural. All yes. right. I got you. Okay. Very good. I can see where this rabbit hole is going, so we should probably wrap it up. But uh, biggest takeaway from this piece, Len, we'll start with you. It's not a good offense. It's not a good defense. It's a, both a good offense and a good defense. So you want to cut spending where you can, but you also want to make money. You'll be best off by doing both, not concentrating on anyone. Paula, your big takeaway from this piece? Uh, that push-ups are a popsicle. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. We'll give, we're going to give the birthday boy the last word, though. OG, what's a uh, big takeaway? Uh, on the spot, I think that, uh, <laughs> you guys both had the good ones. Come on, OG. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that this is uh, uh, a position of honor today. Uh, so much. No, I, I really think my biggest takeaway here was you know just being intentional and be, being very intense about it. I like the fact that she said. Hey, in four years, we're going to knock this out and then just did it and said, I'll do whatever it takes to get it done. Upstairs talking to mom, Laron Amrani from Debitize. Polly, you're familiar with Debitize, aren't you? I, I'm familiar with the name. I I can't think off the top of my head what they do. Well, you know what? We're about to find out together then, aren't we? 
I suppose we are. It'll be an adventure. It is fantastic. I tell both of my kids, but I told my twins to use Debitize. I love Debitize for people that uh, struggle. They have the money to, but they struggle to pay off their credit card bills in full, but they want to play the credit card reward game. And it only works, of course, if you do pay off your credit cards in full. So let's say hello. Let's say hello. To say hello. <laughs> let's say hello. Just say it. Let's say, hey, yeah. Tilarana Marani from Devitize. And a guy that uh, a lot of you know, but maybe some of you don't, on my dad's shortwave, Laurent Amrani from Debitize is here. How are you, man? Hey, Joe. I'm doing well. Thank it's, you. It's been a while since we talked, and I know it was tough to get you, but you've had a bunch of big news at Debitize that I want to get to in just a second. But first of all, for the people that don't know what you guys do, both of my kids, by the way, use Debitize, so I don't think it gets a stronger uh, endorsement than that. Tell everybody what Debitize is all about. Absolutely. So at a high level, what we do is we let you use any credit card like a debit card, uh, which means that you can connect your existing credit card, whether it's a Chase, Amex, Capital One card to your checking account, and we'll set aside money every day to cover your purchases. Uh, that way you get all the perks of your credit card without worrying about debt interest or late fees. And you've also done that in a way, I, I believe, that it helps people's credit score. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, at a high level, paying your credit card off uh, you know, every month is, is the best way to build credit. Uh, but the second largest component of your credit score is what's called your utilization, uh, the percent of your credit line that you use. And we have a feature called Credit Optimizer, which keeps that low and can boost your credit score even more than just using your credit card on your own. And, and that's something we've actually been focusing on a lot in the past year. And the results we've seen have been absolutely amazing. Uh, we have one guy whose score has gone up 220 points. Wow. Uh, I'm meeting with a, a woman who works at Credit Karma and her credit score went up in a hundred points in four months Holy using God. Debitize. That is, that's, that's a, uh, that's a strong number. That's pretty good. Unless it went from like 200 to 300, which I guess isn't that big a deal. Hers, I don't know. The, the guy beforehand was uh, 515 to 735, something like that. Wow. So what? he goes from suboptimal credit to pretty damn good credit. Yeah. So people can learn more, by the way, about those features of Debitize at uh, Debitize.com, correct? That's right. You've got some big new news. You guys uh, recently made an acquisition. Tell me about that. We did. So there's a company called DebX, which was doing something very similar uh, led by a, uh, a really talented founder who had, who had had a lot of success in the past. They had a, a slightly different business model that just wasn't really going to work long-term for them. And, and so we partnered up and, and so joined forces. And our first acquisition, my first acquisition as a founder, which was exciting. And, and so Ben is, is sort of staying on board as an advisor. All the DebX users are more than welcome to, to sort of join Debitize. And we're really all focused on the same mission, which is helping you manage your expenses responsibly so you can stay out of debt and, and live debt-free while, while still enjoying you know, all the perks that come with using a credit card. How does this change the game for you, Laurent, or doesn't it change the game? At a high level, it means we don't have to worry about a, another competitor for a little while longer. We also took a lot of technology that they had that we're not planning to use immediately, but, but certainly could be very valuable for us down the road as we think about what we want to do next. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. I know you guys aren't sitting still. What is next for Debitize? Uh, we do have some exciting news for about half of our users that have been begging us for this for a while. Uh, we are working on an Android app. It's going really well. We're hoping to invite some of our users to help us beta test it within the next week or two. Uh, so it could be in the Play Store you know, within one to two months. 
uh, maybe sooner, maybe longer, depending on how everything goes. But that's really exciting because it's been something that people have been asking for a long, long time. I think when we first came on your show, Joe, we didn't have uh, an iOS app yet either. So right. uh, I mean, that's something that uh, we launched about a year ago. But then three months ago, we, we launched a completely new redesign, uh, which has gotten very good reviews from our users. Uh, it's just much sleeker. Uh, it's got the information that people care about you know, right up front when they log in and more functionality that was only available on the web before. Are there any creative ways you've seen people use Debitize that you didn't expect? Well, we, we have some people who have a ton of credit cards linked. We have one guy who's got 28 credit cards Holy linked. Holy cow. Debitize. Yeah. For him and a, and a few others that are like that, you know, it's a way for them to just sort of stay on top of all those cards because, <laughs> you know, it's hard to, you have 28 bill reminders. You know, if you call every single credit card company and have them set the, the due dates on the same day, so you only have to do it once a month, it's still 28 bills you have to log in and pay every month. I'm just uh, So this just makes it just way simpler. I just can't imagine the, I mean, I get the whole credit card hacking thing, but I don't understand the annual, I was talking to one credit card hacker about this and he couldn't even give me the number and he hadn't, cons- <laughs> he hadn't considered it, but the, just the annual fees on those cards. You know, even if you have a zero balance most of the time, the annual yep. fees on those cards, I don't know that the efficacy of having that many cards justifies it. I can't imagine. I don't think so either. It definitely depends on the type of cards that you have. You know, I don't know the exact mix of his cards, but there's definitely a lot of store cards on there that I'm guessing don't uh, have an annual fee. Yeah, yeah. But I'm with you on that. Yeah, I have, I think, one card that has an annual fee and the rest of my cards have no annual fee. Well, and uh, talking about people raising their credit score, I know my kids uh, are only about a year, one's a year and a half out of college, the other one's a year out of college. They've already been given credit increases. They're not eligible for reward cards they weren't eligible for before, and both of them started off with good habits by adding debitize to to their credit card immediately out of college, and it's definitely made a difference, so... That's another, uh, I don't know, hometown testimony. <laughs> for, for <you> Thank <laughs> you for that. We, we really love hearing those stories. It is makes, it, makes it all worthwhile. Well, it's really cool for dad to know my kids aren't getting into credit card <laughs> debt also. So good stuff. And you know what? If people are out uh, walking the dog or they're driving to work or whatever, we've mm-hmm. got you covered. We'll have a link to debitize in our show notes page at stackybedjamins.com. Laron, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Good catching up. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. Welcome, trivia lovers. Here's a question for you. What does a few shipments of Fiji water, a couple of 72-ounce steaks, and handing over unlimited remote control authority to you-know-who have in common? If you guessed OG's diva list for his birthday, you'd be right. And even though he's divaing it up today... We're still going to make him compete against Len and Paula for today's trivia game. Today is Phileas Fogg's Win a Wager Day, so let's dial into the Jules Verne novel Around the World in 80 Days, shall we? In the book, Phileas famously bets the London Reform Club members that he can circumnavigate the globe in 80 days. After inflation, if Fogg had bet today, just exactly how many British pounds would the bet have been? I'll be back with the answer after I grab a slice of birthday cake from Joe's mom. Phileas Fogg, which I'm sure, which I'm sure Paula knows everything about Phileas Fogg. Uh, I can't say that I do. No, it's it's Jules Verne. I, it's not pop culture. It's Jules Verne. I've never read the book uh, Around the World in Eighty Days. I've I'm familiar with the title. I know that it is oh, a so book. I- 
She does know that it took uh, approximately 80 days to get around mm-hmm. the world. Yes. All right. Uh, so the score at this point, I believe Len is still winning by one. What the score is. What? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Last I recall, it was time. I, I forgot. My, yeah. Yes. He snuck one in last. I week. didn't have the official score sheet in front of me. So because of that, I forgot that OG had tied and Paula's down by one, which means Paula, you get to decide if you're going to guess first in the middle or last. Clearly last. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Uh, then OG got there just oh, I get now. to go last. Uh, or yeah. I have to go first. Well, I'm going to go second to last. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have a question about the trivia question, though, because. I also was not paying attention in any way, shape, or form to any of this. So did he, he said that there was a bet, which I understood from the iPad game around the world. Which, by the way, is a fantastic, uh, like, choose your own adventure game. game. It is great. really cool game. Yeah. Did he mention how much it was and or approximately when this alleged bet originally took place? He mentioned neither. Oh, God bless America. So I have no idea when this happened no. nor how much it originally was. It's a Jules Verne novel. I, I love her expression of frustration. Oh, oh God bless America. <laughs> he wanted the inflation, what the what the bet was after inflation, right? Yeah, what's the bet after inflation? So if he made the bet what, today. What the bet before inflation. And when was the bet? We can't tell you. You yeah, got it. So it's a, this is a total. It was Jules Verne. That's number one. Doesn't help. And then whatever you think the bet was, and then there you go. This is a total crapshoot, OG. Okay, I get to go first. Um, how much was it? I bet I say it was one million pounds. One million pounds. In Len, today's dollars. In today's dollars. <laughs> Adjusted for inflation over a period of time, an indeterminate amount of time. Do you mean in today's pounds? Carefully considered. Well, no, it would be uh, eight. Th- I'm sorry. I was thinking dollars. You're right, Paula. So I should do uh, 643,911 pounds. <laughs> 643,911 pounds. Uh, Len, you are next. What was OG's? 643,911. A million dollars. 643,911. So should I say 643,912? <laughs> and if Paula <laughs> Oh. No, 11 and one pence. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. 643. <laughs> because I no, think I, I know. I'm I think I know where. Po- no, you're that's not going to do that? Oh, that's not in the spirit of the game. Uh, let's say, I mean, you don't even know what the starting bet was. Uh, and I don't. I'm going to say 50,000 pounds. 50,000 pounds in today's. In today's money. Yes. Oh, in today's money. Yes. thousand yeah, pounds. In today's money. Paula, we've got 50,000 pounds and 643,911 pounds. Okay. My thinking on this is that today, flying around the world is commercially available to the middle class and very affordable. But back then, it was quite difficult to do. And could only so, so it might be the equivalent of like today taking a trip to the moon, like a recreational trip to the moon. So, and I don't know how much Didn't that they have cost to use balloons either. back then. Yeah, but the balloon industry was not regulated, so <laughs> <laughs> that's an important. That is an important factor in this unregulated zeppelin industry. Complex trivia question. 
So I'm guessing that it's the type of hobby that would only be available to a very well-heeled, like top 1% portion of society. And then if you're making a bet about it on top of that, then we're talking about extreme riches. So I'm going to go with, but it can't be too extreme because it has to be believable. (laughs) (laughs) You realize we try to make this a 60 minute show and we never make it. And half of it is because Paula takes six years to make her guess. I'm going to go with 1.5 million pounds. 1.5 million pounds. Don't you have to say it million pounds like it's a million? Yes, exactly. All right. We got the guesses locked and loaded. Let's uh, find out in just a second who our I winner. I would and loaded right now with the way Doug's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> who our winner is of this shindig. Well, how can you live a better life when you're working so much? Wondering where you can get some answers about the workplace from Wondery, the network behind Business Wars and Dirty John. Come Safe for Work, a podcast that's all about helping you find balance and happiness in your career and your life. After all, many of us spend more time with our coworkers and clients than our friends and family. Hosts Liz Dolan and Rico Gagliano give advice on everything from how to avoid burnout on the job to how to fake an illness when you're calling in sick. They also talk to experts about those moments at the office that can challenge the best of us, like negotiating raises, knowing when it's time to move on, or dealing with that annoying office mate with no boundaries. I can't tell you how happy I am to not be in a big office space anymore. I just remember the old days. Even at a even at a company like American Express, you always had the weird guy. You had the people who dressed inappropriately. You had the dude who wore white dress shirts that were super thin and cheap and was uh, very hairy underneath and wore uh, no T-shirt. That was interesting. And sometimes the smells coming from the refrigerator and it was nobody's right nobody's stuff so whether you work in an office or you're sitting here with richie like i am every episode's filled with helpful career advice that's lively and fun richie listens to say for work just to figure out how to deal with me i'm sure <laughs> uh helpful career advice lively and fun just like your work life should be go subscribe to say for work and apple podcast or wherever you're listening to me right now Stega Benjamins is also supported by Magnify Money. You know, if you're somebody who's never been to Magnify Money, we're going to go there right now, like we do uh, a few times a month. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. You can probably hear me typing it out. And here it comes. And let's take a look at savings accounts rates to give you the latest. You know, I saw Nick in a piece recently talking about how if you're getting less than 2%, on your savings, you're really missing out. Sure enough, my savings direct coming in again and first at 2.4, Poplar Direct 2.36, Viobank 2.35, then CIT at uh, 225, 225 for a few more. And uh, there's a good, I'm going to say 20 or 25 that are over 2%. So he's right. If you're getting less than 2% on your savings, you're definitely behind. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Now, that's not all they do. You're somebody like me that pays off your credit cards in full. Well, you know what you should do? You should play the credit card reward game and take advantage of the fact that you're somebody that uh, can take advantage of that game. Obviously, if you're not somebody who pays off your credit cards on time, 
you might want to opt for a balanced transfer card or a personal loan and start paying less interest to the man while you're paying off your loans. But uh, everything from cashback rewards to 0% credit cards to secured cards, CD rates, auto loans, small business loans, student loan refinance, it's all there. StackyBedjamins.com forward slash magnify money tells Nick and the gang that we sent you. All right, we got our three guesses in on Phineas Fogg's bet. If it was in today's dollars, how much would the bet be? Six hundred forty-three thousand nine hundred and eleven. I, I like that nine one one on the end of OG's bet. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling pretty good about that nine one one? I don't have any idea. And then second, uh, Len, you said in today's dollars fifty thousand pounds. So you're thinking it was like a, like a. I don't know, a hundred dollar bet or a realistic, right? I mean, it can't be some number that's so huge that it wouldn't have been payable. Right. So that's why I said 50,000 pounds. All right. And then Paula, you've got 1.5 million feeling pretty good. I am. I am. All right. (laughs) Let's see who's got this, Doug. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And Joe's mom says no birthday cake until OG blows out the candles after the show. We're going to burn the house down, kids. Before I grab a fire extinguisher, let's get you today's trivia answer, shall we? In the book, Phileas famously bets the London Reform Club members that he can circumnavigate the globe in 80 days. After inflation, if Fogg had bet today, just exactly how many British pounds would the bet have been? Phileas Fogg made a bet of 20,000 British pounds in 1873, and after barely successfully completing his mission, that means he would have won, in today's dollars, roughly 2 million pounds. Speaking of pounds, I'm going to lose about 20 pounds waiting on this show to finish. Come on, boys, let's wrap it up. Let's get her done so I can have some cake, will ya? See ya! <laughs> 20 thousand pounds <laughs> yes deep thinking for the win oh well yeah your first guess of a million was pretty close yeah not too it would bad have helped to know the original bet and or the approximate time of the original bet <laughs> it, it might have helped I need you to inflate a number that you don't know what it started with. For an indeterminate amount of time. Which just doesn't seem none of us have read the book. Well, maybe you need to turn over a new leaf, Len. Maybe it's about time to become a reader. I don't know. (laughs) Not without consultation from from Paula. She's the leaf expert. She totally is. You mix them all. I'm just saying. Carefully thinking through the logic behind it does pay off. I, <laughs> now I'm going to go take my winnings and buy some birthday cake. There it is. Hey, let's. Uh, we got a problem here because somebody must have called a wrong number because they asked us for help with their with their financial planning. Today's call is brought to you by the Stacker. We're rebooting the Stacker at the beginning of the year. Fifty two lessons of uh, good money management tips. If you're somebody who's looking for something to learn, as you found out on this episode, you're not getting it here. <laughs> so head to our newsletter, the Stacker, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Stacker. It comes every week. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. Mom, though, puts hers on the fridge. So just saying. Today's today's call for help comes from Tom Izzo. I love 
Yeah, Tom Izzo. Hey guys, I'm looking to diversify my investments as well as develop some passive income. So I'm looking to get into real estate. So I was wondering if you could give me the pros and the cons of the different forms of real estate investing, such as REITs, crowdfunding rentals, and buying my own rental house and using a property manager. I guess I'm thinking that there's the potential for a possible housing bubble to burst possibly in the next couple of years and just wondering if one of these would be less affected by that than others or if there are other things I should consider. Thanks for your help. You know, uh, Len, I want to start with you first because he talks about a housing bubble. And I know that I've read in a lot of places that it's nowhere more pronounced in the United States than in the Los Angeles, well, maybe San Francisco, right? But in the LA area, you've got a, a heck of what a lot of people are thinking is a bubble. What do you think about his prediction that we might be in a bubble? I think so. I think home prices are uh, they're pretty steamy right now. And here's the problem. It's interest rates, right? So interest rates have been climbing now for what, uh, two and a half years steadily. Yeah. And as interest rates rise, that means people's purchasing power on their mortgages goes down, right? Because you're paying a bigger percentage of your payment to the interest because that's when people who get mortgages they shop payments they don't they buy a house based on payments they don't buy a house based on cost so that's kind of scary yeah i think you got to be careful right now paula all kinds of different ways to buy real estate i want to talk about this idea of with interest rates going up house freeze happening he talks about maybe you know my first thought was buying an individual house might be a way to get rid of some of that risk but also you take on other risks when you buy just one property, don't you? Well, so first of all, I want to kind of separate out. He's got two questions in there. And one question implicitly he asks, should speculation about what may or may not happen in the future influence the decisions that I make today? And if so, how? How do I apply that uh, that projection to my current decisions? And then the other component of his question is, what form of real estate should I buy? So I want to address the first piece first, which is speculation about what may happen in the future. Now, it is true that interest rates are going up. However, historically, if you look at the correlation between increased interest rates and housing prices, like historically in the United States over the last 100 years, higher interest rates have not led to a stagnation or a decrease in home prices which is counterintuitive. You would think that it would, but historically that just has not been how it's played out. And oftentimes that's because there are multiple factors that play into it. Like how are wages, how are salaries, and you know, not just how does that apply over the widest segment of the population, but also in, in key markets and in key areas and in industries. There are dozens and dozens of factors that play into a housing market. Um, how tight are lending restrictions? Those types of, of questions and all of those play a role in the number of people who are qualified to buy, the expensive home that they buy. So it's not as simple as looking at only two variables. More broadly, though, if you buy real estate not based on future appreciation, but rather based on current cash flow, then that inherently protects you, at least to a certain extent, from what may happen in the future. Any asset gains value in two ways, one being capital appreciation and the other being an income stream. So if you buy real estate, regardless of whether you are looking at crowdfunding or a REIT or owning a rental property directly, if you buy it based on the income stream rather than capital appreciation, that is the strategy that that future-proofs you. 
Yeah, then you don't have to worry about whether this is an up market, down market, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to, he asked a very big question that yeah. really deserves an hour to answer. So sure. I'm trying to compress this into a sound bite. No, that's great because I wanted to go to OG with another part of that question, mm-hmm. which is REIT versus crowdfunding versus individual house. I know OG, those all have different risks. What do you think about if he's going into real estate, one versus the other? You know, I think that none of them are the right answer. None of them are the wrong answer. There's pros and cons to each one of them. Obviously, real estate investment trusts, REITs, publicly traded real estate, very liquid, money in, money out. But you also get the lowest uh, level of cash flow out of it. Uh, Paul, to your point about buying real estate for investments, regardless of the type of of, uh, investment that you're looking for, if you're buying something that's readily tradable, you're not going to get as much cash flow out of that. That's just how it's going to work. Obviously, you can look at something that's more crowdfunded or an individual property, and you're going to get better cash flows, but it's not as liquid. So there's the risk factors there. I'm kind of with what Paula said in terms of whether or not there's a housing crisis or you know bubble burst or whatever. Certainly in certain areas in our country, the Pacific Northwest comes to mind, the San Francisco area, LA, even where I live, housing prices have kind of flattened actually in the last 12 months. But from a big picture standpoint, people still have tons of credit power. There's low, low, low amounts of debt to income right now, which means that people haven't quite gotten it all out of their system yet. And even another number that I like to look at when just kind of thinking about this is the new housing starts. Where I live, there's tons of stuff popping up. But interestingly enough, it's still not yet back to the average that it was over the last 20 years, even with the huge run-up over the last uh, eight or so. So I think there's a lot more room to go there, but it's very local from a market standpoint. So there's no wrong way to do this, basically. Well, there is not focus on cash flow. <laughs> That's the wrong way to do it. But uh, but if you do it from a cash flow standpoint, return on investment. Crowdfunding versus well REIT directly. I want to address that one mm-hmm. but, yeah. but because I think that especially in our community, there's a lot of focus on crowdfunding. And I think that there's some risk there that people don't really think about versus a REIT that's professionally managed, SEC, you know, oversight on a REIT. A lot more protection. Yeah, yeah. OG, I mean, crowdfunding, real estate versus a REIT. I'm not a big fan of the crowdfunding thing in general anyway. Um, I mean, even something as simple as like a Kickstarter campaign where you, you always hear about the really cool ones like Peloton or something. And then you hear about the 30 of them that... They just absconded with don't work, eighty grand. Yeah, it's like yeah, sorry, it didn't work. Too bad. Yeah, um, and I'd hate for that to happen at a larger scale. There's certainly plenty of reputable companies there, but um, a lot more due diligence that you're required to do than just going and buying a Vanguard REIT ETF. Yeah, you know, you've got a lot of other people in your way. That's what I think. Uh, crowdfunding might be bigger, re- much bigger reward, but also I think a lot more risk that people don't think about. Paula, what do you think about the crowdfunding REIT platforms? Well, so I think that that's the wrong question. I think the first question that you want to ask yourself is, do I want to buy, first, do I want to have a hybrid between a business and an investment, or do I want something that is sheer investment? Because when you own a rental property directly, it's a hybrid between a business and an investment. And the feature is also the bug. The feature is that you yourself get to make decisions that could improve the efficiency of the performance of that property such that you improve your returns. So you can buy an undervalued asset, make it more efficient, and raise the 
the valuation of that asset by virtue of the decisions that you have made. And that's what's beautiful about it. That's the feature, but it is also the bug because that is inherently not as passive, particularly at the front end, as just throwing some money into a REIT and calling it a day, which you can do in five seconds and then forget about. When it comes to crowdfunding versus yeah. a rental property, fundamentally the question, because in crowdfunding, you're picking one particular property. So the question that you really want to ask yourself is, do I want to buy a fourplex by myself solo, or do I want to be one of 25 people who is buying a hundredplex, right? And that is your starting question. But still, you don't know who you're in bed with. I mean, you don't know who your partners are. It's, well, it's a I little... mean, in either case, you are... So with both crowdfunding and buying a property directly, in both cases, that's like the business investment hybrid, except that in crowdfund, I mean, don't think of it as crowdfunding. Think of it as having a business partnership, yeah. right? Yeah. You've got a business partnership with 25 other bozos who are all going in on some apartment <laughs> complex in Brooklyn, right? So do you know specifically about that block in Brooklyn? And do you think that in apartment complex with those types of but in uh, that case, conditions and layout, you know, yeah, is, but in, is that, that, in that case yeah. and in the case of the REIT, you're relying on the person leading it up to know what the hell they're doing. That's really the expertise you're relying on because you might not know about that block, but in a REIT and in a crowdfunded piece of property, the person who put it together supposedly knows about what's going on in that block. If you don't know about that block, then why would you put your money towards it? I mean, in the same way that if you don't know about a specific rental property that you're buying, you would never buy it. You're doing the same thing when you crowdfund. Like the due diligence is still up to you. I think a lot of people have the misconception that if it's part, if their money is in a larger pool of other investors' money, that frees them of the obligation to do any due diligence. Yeah. It does not. Yeah. Len, thanks for all your help on this one. We went to one that was specifically in your wheelhouse. Here. No, no, absolutely. No. With real estate. Also, thanks to Tom for the question. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybedjamins.com at the top of the page. You'll see questions for the show. Click on that link. And you know what? Tom is taking home the greatest money show on earth t-shirt. So high five, Tom. Nice job. Mr. Izzo, not only coaching the Spartans OG in basketball, but he also has time to write us a letter. And for those of you who think I'm playing games on my phone <clears throat> for the live studio audience, I'm actually, well, I was checking email for a second, but uh, I was looking up the JP Morgan guide to the markets with for some data, which has got some really cool slides on there. So you can, we've talked about that sometimes on the show, JP Morgan guide to the markets, really cool. 70 slides of economic data. Yeah. Some good stuff there. That's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, Len, what the heck's happening at uh, lenpenzo.com? Oh, I, you know what, Joe? I, everything's happening. I don't have anything uh, teed up for you today, but uh, just come on by lenpenzo.com. If you like your uh, Saturday weekly doom and gloom, come check out my black, black coffee and join, uh, join the fellow doom and gloomers there. My fish sticks are starting to burn, though. I do smell them burning. The fish sticks. And uh, Paula... <laughs> That's you say that like I think that's a euphemism. My fish sticks are burning. Like is that you might a, want to get that checked out. <laughs> whole different deal. Some ointment or something. Yeah, yeah, Paula. What's what's happening with your fish sticks over there at affordanything.com? 
On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Bob Lodick about why and how he took a mini retirement. So he took a, he's not yet financially independent, but he decided that he wanted to take a one year mini retirement away from work. And he did. So he joins us on the Afford Anything podcast to talk about that. That's awesome. And OG, happy birthday today. Thanks for coming in on your birthday, man. It's always a game day. Uh, what happens? What happens on OG's birthday at your house? Well, there's lots of stories about the day where I had to make my own birthday cake because um, Mrs. OG worked all day. She loves that one. I have a video <laughs> of it, which is really passive aggressive of me. You, you know, you, you know me, Joe, well enough to know that I totally would do this. I made my own birthday cake, then set up a camera to record myself singing "Happy Birthday" to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then sent the video. To me. <laughs> yeah, so that's that is so but, uh, absolutely no, horrible. We're gonna do we're gonna do a little dinner tonight, it's beginning of uh, uh, Christmas break for the children. So they are uh, they're home from school. So babysitter for them. We're gonna do a little bit of din din and that's awesome. And uh, have a fun weekend. Well, happy birthday, mom! Mom, <laughs> what was it? Happy birthday, OG! What kind of what kind of uh, issue is that when I'm calling you, Bob? Freudian. Yeah. yeah, I got no idea yeah. there. So, it's like the dream that I told you I had. <laughs> that, that is, that's a whole different story for another day. All right, we're out of here. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, getting out of debt and controlling your budget is fine, but making more money? Second, while earning more money is great, lifestyle creep that keeps you poor is not fun. Remember that the key to wealth is the difference between what you make and what you spend. What you keep is the most important metric. But the big lesson? Don't even try to say hello to OG on a day like today if you don't plan on bowing to him. What a diva. Special thanks to Laron Amrani for hanging out with us today. For more on Debitize, head to Debitize.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. And special thanks to Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And we love to get OG, but happy birthday, man. I mean, cool, friendly, clever, and handsome. <laughs> Enough about me. Here's a birthday toast to you, kid. Here you go, OG. Did you hear that?
All right. And for those of you watching live, this is how we do it. Now we take a wine break. For the record, for years, <laughs> these guys all talked about drinking during recording. And I thought that they were joking. And then we actually started doing this by video. And it turned out they weren't joking. They're all drinking while they're recording, except for me. I am the token sober person. <laughs> right. I am 100% sober today too, Paula. Oh, to we did my bike ride. We did nice. we did have one episode though, Paula, where we drove you to drinking. You did, that's true. There was one of the hundreds of episodes. There was one where by, by the end of it, I was like, "All right, guys, I'm losing it. I'm pouring a glass of wine." It's about it's about time. You're talking about one of those grass uh, things you drink with the the green uh, vegetable gooky things. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times when they're all drinking on this recording and I want to be consuming a liquid but not an alcohol, I'll make a spinach protein shake and then I'll just sit there drinking that while everybody else is having a beer. It's so freaking, or, um, it's so gross. Kavita, the it's, probiotic uh, lemon. It's so gross. <laughs> that sounds like the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you poison yourself with that stuff? I know. <laughs> Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender